All right. Um, before I make the introduction, Natural, did you, is that your first time singing? <laughs> you did, you did great. I was wondering why the worship was like so, so good, and you, it must have just, you carried it. So, good job. Um, I, uh, around eight months ago, there's a man who introdu introduced me on stage, nine months ago, introduced me on stage to do the first time I ever spoke, and he was polite, and he said, be kind, and give him a warm welcome. So I'm going to do the opposite. Uh, let's give Derek a round of applause, but let's be really rowdy this time. I'm kidding. Let's be polite. Give Derek a round of applause. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Gabe. All right, what's up, everybody? Hey. All right. Man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay, can I pray for us? Can I pray for us? Is that cool? All right, let's pray. <laughs> I'm allowed to pray. Uh, Lord God, I just thank you so much for an opportunity to be here teaching your students, God. I just pray that you would eliminate all distractions uh, for the next 15, 20, 45 minutes. I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, God, again, I just thank you. Just pray that you would teach through me and uh, just that these ears would be open to hear your word. Amen. Awesome. Hey, so... So, uh, if you don't know me, actually, actually, I'm gonna, before I even say that, can I just recognize all you guys who are here who braved the ice to get here? That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, I'm not trying to bash everybody else, but you guys are awesome for being here. And even more so, there, I think there's like a couple new faces here, and that is so, so cool. Uh, welcome, Sienna. I don't know if this is actually your first time. I just called you out in front of everybody, but welcome here. Um, so that's so cool. So for those that don't really know me that well, uh, my name is Derek, and I actually just recently got back from serving as a youth pastor in Arizona. Um, so that's pretty cool. I'm here now. And uh, I wanted to tell you just a really quick story about something crazy that happened. Like within the first, uh, I think like three weeks, it was like the third Sunday I was preaching. And what happened was their youth group when I got there was a little bit different than it is here. They did like games and small groups on Wednesday nights, but they did teaching and worship Sunday morning. And I was like, that's got to change. Um, but before I changed it, um, <laughs> like I, I just rolled with it, you know. And so they had like two different youth services. They would do like second service, there was a youth service, and then another one during third service. And what happened was during the second service youth program, there would be like 60 students that showed up, which is pretty cool. And then in the third service, there'd be like five. And I got to be honest, as a teacher, speaker, whatever, going from teaching 60 students to teaching five students is really hard. Like you have all this big room energy, and then you get to the next one, and all five of those students are spread out as far apart from each other as they can possibly be. So you don't even know if they're there. You're just like, oh, uh, just doing your thing. And like, did anyone, anyone hear that? And there's no response, and it's awkward. And so this third Sunday morning, I was like, I just got to try something different. So five students showed up, and I invited them to the front. I made it real awkward in there. I was like, hey, everybody, just come down to the front. Like, let's just do this small group style. And so I just sat down on the stage, and just everybody was like right here. And I was like, hey, I'm just going to roll through this lesson, and like, it's small group style, so you guys can stop me. You can ask questions, whatever. Like, let's just see what happens. And that was cool. Like, we started the message that way with five students, and about five minutes in, 
there was 14 students. I was like, well, this is weird. So I was like, guys, come on down. We're doing some new thing. Let's just try this. And I just rolled with it. And um, so there's like 14 students. And I'm teaching this lesson about something that Jesus did. And I realized that all these students had these super blank stares on their face. And I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? And so like, I asked them, like, do you guys like know this story? Have you heard it before? And they're like, no. And, I, and, and then something clicked in my head, and I realized I had to ask this particular question. And so I just asked them, I was like, who in this room knows who Jesus is? And out of 14 students, two of them raised their hand. One in seven students said they know who Jesus is. And so one of two things is true. Either one in every seven students in this third service knows Jesus, or at the very least, only one in seven students is bold enough to say they know who Jesus is. So I was like, all right, I know what my mission is going forward. I'm going to use every message to talk about Jesus as much as I possibly can. If I'm talking about David, I'm talking about Jesus. If I'm talking about Moses, I'm talking about Jesus. And so that's why I am so, so excited that this series that we're starting tonight, I Am, is all about, not this I Am, but the great I Am, who is Jesus. We get to learn all about Jesus, and tonight, in particular, we're going to look at what this phrase actually means. This powerful three-letter phrase has a whole lot of meaning behind it. Um, so Jesus in his time, he used a lot of like these I am phrases. And I don't know if we're going to learn more about those later, but he would say stuff like, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, all that stuff. But at one point, all he had to say was that I am, and it made everybody very, very upset. So Jesus, he was this, this prophet, this teacher, this healer. At, at a lot of people at that time did not know that he was the Messiah. And there was this particular group of people called the Pharisees that they did not like him. They thought Jesus was there to mess everything up for everybody. And so there'd be a lot of dialogue that you can read in the Bible where they're going back and forth, uh, yell, not really yelling at each other, but just challenging one another. And Jesus would challenge them back with questions. And so we're going to jump right into this scripture where Jesus and these Pharisees are arguing. And this sounds like it's going to be long, but believe me, this is like the last quarter of this dialogue. So I'm going to do you a favor, and we're going to skip toward the end of it. These Pharisees, they're yelling at Jesus and saying, You Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? Where'd it go? That's what they said. That was their question. And, and Jesus is just like, no. I have no demon in me, for I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Because he died. And so did the prophets. So who do you think you are? And Jesus says, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say, he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. And if I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you are. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. And the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? 
And this is where it gets real. Jesus answered and says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. And at that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid from them and left the temple. This three-letter word, that phrase that Jesus said, I am, was so important to these people that during this dialogue, at the end of it, when he said it, they were about to kill him. They picked up stones, and they were going to murder Jesus just for saying this phrase. So it's probably important that we look at why this phrase is so dang important to these people. These people were Jewish. They were Israelites. And uh, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you a little story about something that happened 1,500 years before this moment in the story. There's this very popular person in Jewish history, in our history, named Moses. And at this time, when Moses was around, these Israelites, they were in this place called Egypt, and they were working as slaves for the Egyptians. But God said, no, you're my people. I got a better plan for you. I'm going to send someone to deliver you from slavery. So along comes this character named Moses. And at this point in the story, Moses is talking to God, and, and he's getting these directions from God who's going to tell him to deliver the people, send them out of slavery from Egypt. And Moses is talking to God, and, and he's, uh, he doesn't quite get it. He, he's like arguing with God, saying stuff like, I don't think I can do it. I, I stutter when I talk. God, you don't want me to be the person talking to the Pharaoh. It's not a good idea. So they're arguing too. And right here, Moses protests to God. He says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered and said, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses replied and said, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask, okay, well, what's his name? So what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses saying, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So Moses is at this place where he's doubting himself. He's doubting this call that God had given him. But, but God is saying, hey, before I even tell you my name, you need to understand who I am. Because obviously you don't. This I am phrase is so important, I had to write it down, so I'm going to tell you, I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. Immediate presence. God's existence is not contingent on anybody else. His plans are not contingent on any circumstances. He promises that he will be what he will be. That is, he is the eternally constant God. He stands ever-present, unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do. Or in other words, everything that God says will happen, will happen. And that's what God is trying to communicate to Moses. He says, I don't care who you are. You could be the worst speaker in the world. I'm still going to send you to Pharaoh, and he's still going to move, and I'm still going to deliver my people from slavery into the land I have promised for you. So, when I tell you, Moses, to lead my people out of Egypt, I'm going to make sure it happens. So what happened? Moses went to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh did not agree at first, so God sent a plague. He didn't agree. God sent another one. He said, I'm still going to make sure this happens. 
Eventually, he sent plague after plague, and that's what happened. The Israelites left Egypt, and they were delivered from Egypt. But along the way, the Egyptians were chasing after him, and God says, no, 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 I still got a plan for you. I got you. I'm going to make sure this happens. They get to the sea, and it feels like they're about to either drown in the sea or be murdered by these Egyptians. But God says, no, no, I got you. I'm God. I am. And he opens up the sea, and they walk right through it. It closes over these Egyptians that are chasing them. And then now at this point, they're in the desert. They don't have food, but God says, I got you. I got a plan for you. I got a place for you. He provides them food and water, and they're okay. And then later on in this story, these same people, a few years later, they finally get to the land that God has promised them. And despite everything that God had done for them up until this point, they get to this land and they see these walls around it saying, how are we going to get in? They did not understand that God is. He is God. And whatever God says will happen, will happen. So eventually, they get there, they obey the commands of God, and the walls fall down and the people walk right into this promised land that God had set aside for them. Everything God says will happen, will happen. So, here we are in this story, 1,500 years later, this phrase, I am, wherever it went, I am, meant everything to these people. It meant everything to them. So here was this Jesus, this guy that was messing everything up for these highly religious Pharisees, he goes along and he says, before Abraham even was, I am. So in their eyes, they had every right to be mad. They had every right to stone him because that would have been the biggest blasphemy that Jesus could have ever committed if it was not true. But it was. I believe that this Jesus is exactly who he said he is and that he is God, and that he is the great I am. Because this Jesus, he was a healer. He would go to people, they would be blind from birth, and he would say, your eyes are going to be open, you're going to see, and they would see again. People who never walked in their life, he said, get up and walk, and they would walk again. A woman who had a sickness for 12 years just had to touch Jesus and she was healed. Everything that Jesus said would happen did happen. Even up to the point of his own death. Jesus let his disciples know, I'm going to die. But Three days later, I'll be right back. Jesus foretold his death. He foretold his resurrection, and it happened. Jesus died for us. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to this earth, this Jesus, this real human being. Historians who don't even believe in God don't deny that Jesus walked on this earth. This is that same Jesus that we're talking about. He died for us. God said, you've sinned. You've done wrong. You've, you've sinned against me, and the punishment for that is death. 
but I love you anyway. And I'm going to send Jesus down. He's going to show you how to live. He's going to show you how to have a relationship with me. And he's going to take on your sin and die for you. And three days later, just as Jesus said he would, he rose again. He rose again. God himself at this point lives in you. Jesus, the great I am, said it was going to happen. So when God says that he's going to deliver you, what's he going to do? He's going to deliver you. When God says he's got a place for you, what does he have? He's got a place for you. When God says he's got a purpose, he's going to turn that purpose into a practice for you. And when God says he's not going to forsake you, he never will. I need you guys to know that. God called his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. So I want to ask you guys tonight, what does it look like for God to pull you out of where you are now and call you to follow him? What is that place that he's got for you? What is this place that you've been denying God? Do you know what that is in your life? I know uh, for me, my story, it might look a little bit messy this last month, a few, few months if you know me well enough, but I got to tell you that following God is the best thing you'll ever do. I answered God's call to go to Arizona, and, and God used that time. I'm not trying to boast in myself, but only in what God has done and what God does when we follow him. During the time I was there, I got to see over 30 students Say yes to Jesus. I got to see 21 students get baptized. You don't have to, you can clap for that too, that's awesome. And in particular, something that will always stick with me is there are five students who move from a place of fear and doubt in themselves to leading and being influential within their youth group and even teaching on stage. So I just want to say that for me, what this looks like to follow God's call, what that means is that, that God called me to be a youth pastor. And it doesn't matter whether or not that's, that's my title right now, I'm still going to be a youth pastor wherever I go. That's what God wants for me. And so that is what I'm going to do. So I want to turn this story around and ask you guys now these few questions. I want you to just really think about it. You can close your eyes if you have to. You can pray them out. But I just want you to ask yourself these questions. What has God asked you to do? Particularly, if, if God has called you to do something and you're not doing it, I want to ask you in this way. What has God asked you to do that you think he cannot do through you? Where has God asked you to go that you don't think he can take you? Who has God said you are that you think he hasn't made you to be already? Perhaps most importantly, I want you to think about someone that's been on your mind and think about this. Who is God asking you to love that you don't think he died for.
Dear God, I just, uh, just pray that you would start moving the hearts in this room. God, because there's a lot of people in this county who need to know you. And there's a lot of people in this room that need to be moved by you. God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that this, this three-letter phrase, I am, means everything. Everything you say will happen will happen, God. So I just pray that, that we would be reminded of that wherever we go. When we think about the, the call that you put on our hearts, that we would be bold, that we would follow you, that we would understand that Whatever you have for us, God, you're going to get us there. God, I pray for these students. I'm just so thankful that they showed up this week. So thankful that we have a place where we can come and worship you. God, I pray that you would be in these students' schools. That they would be powerful vessels for you, God. God, I pray that any student here that also might not know you, God, that they would recognize who you are. That you are the great I am. That you've got everything in your hands. God, I pray that you would turn hearts for you. In Jesus' name, amen.